us. I'm Nicole. I'm the mom. And I'm Mira, and I'm the daughter. And this is Adulting But Not Grown Up. So, how did voting go for you, Mira? Uh, super great. Got a tiny pencil. Um, hopefully because we talked about it and then posted it on the internet, that memory won't be overwritten by, like, the plot to every episode of Bob's Burgers or something. <laughs> right. No, I also got a tiny pencil. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully that'll stick in there a little better and the uh, incessant brain fog won't just overwrite that guy this time. Um, oh, I will also say that the guy asked if I had my own pen or pencil on me. And I did, but I wanted a tiny pencil. I don't know why. So I so lied. lied. Okay. We got the tiny pencil. Yep. Brought it home for your little sister because she was upset that I was leaving her to vote. Yep. So. She wanted to have a say in. Yeah. So she got her tiny pencil yep. souvenir. Great. Yeah. All right. Okay. Shall we go? Um, well, yeah. Let's discuss uh, American politics instead now. <laughs> We're going to talk about abortion today. Um, light topic, not. And oh, you wanted to say something first off. Um, we understand that, uh, you know, obviously people don't fit into a binary uh, system when it comes to gender, and we are going to be saying women a lot and referring to women, and what we mean when we say that is people who have systems that allow them to carry and have <laughs> children, and. Uh, you may identify as woman and you may not, and that's okay, but we will likely be saying woman a lot in reference to people that have the capability of carrying a pregnancy, even if that person does not identify as a woman. And, you know, there you go. That's okay. Disclaimer. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, Texas. Okay. So we don't live in the States, <laughs> we but do not. like, Oh my god. Uh, and it's just, it is shocking and alarming to see women's rights stripped, even though it's not our country, and, but they are the country next door. So it's just, it's, it's shocking to see. It's alarming to see. I feel so badly for the women that live there. And it is, it's just, yeah, I, it's just, it is horrifying to see that kind of thing actually be put into place. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely disconcerting. I mean, I can't, it's difficult to, like, come to terms with, really, because, like, we don't have personal interaction with it. Like, I have never existed in a place where, like, it would be difficult for me to get an abortion if I wanted one. You I know? have, and I'll talk about that later. Yes, I know that, I know that you existed in Canada pre-legalization <laughs> of abortion. I did not. So, like, I... That's, you know, foreign to me. I've never personally experienced that. I've never, you know, lived anywhere that has had those rules or, like, known anyone that has had trouble having access to an abortion. Do you want to talk about Canada first? Sure. Okay. We can talk about Canada's laws around it first. So, um, so currently in Canada, abortion is legal at any stage of pregnancy and it's publicly funded as a health procedure and that's been that way since 1988. I was born in 1972, so I was 15, 16 when that became the law. And prior to that, um, the the deal was it was legal. I think it was up to 12 weeks it was legal, but it had to be approved by a panel of doctors as being a threat to the mother's life. And that threat could include risk of suicide because they were so despondent over being pregnant, which 
if memory serves, that was kind of a catch-all that was used at the time of like, well, just say you're depressed, you know, that this is making you very depressed and suicidal. Um, it's, it was still like a huge invasion of privacy when you had to go in front of a panel of people and tell them that you were going to kill yourself if you had to have this baby and, you know, like... Plead your case. And plead your care. case to, to that. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was something, but it wasn't great. And then I really remember at the time, so in those mid-teen years of mine, Dr. Henry Morgenthaler being on the news a lot. So he was a doctor in Canada who fought for um, to change the law and make abortion fully legal and accessible. And he went to prison for a time to, uh, you know, on his, his stance on that because what he was doing was performing abortions and then publicly saying, hey, I did this in the hopes that it would... Um, bring it to, before the courts and that he could then argue to change the law. Um, so the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, under ours we have the right to life, liberty, and security of the person. And so what ended up being found in terms of these court cases that Dr. Morgenthaler brought to, to before the courts was that there this was the, what their decision was based on, and I'll just read the quote. Forcing a woman by threat of criminal sanction to carry a fetus to term unless she meets certain criteria unrelated to her own priorities and aspirations is a profound interference with a woman's body and thus a violation of security of the person. So that was what they, they used to uh, make it legal and just make it available if you want it because you, you can be allowed to do so. Um, and then in 1989, and I remember this too at the time, there was a, a case that was quite public. It was Trombley versus Degla. And so the case there was that the, um, it was a couple in a relation, or had been in a relationship pre prior. Um, the woman wanted an abortion and the man took her to court to try to block the abortion because he wanted the baby. And so that was, I remember being all over the news at the time. And what was eventually decided was that um, only, so two things came out of it. Only a person has constitutional rights, and those rights begin at the time of a live birth. And then secondly, the father has no pr proprietary interest in a fetus, and he may not obtain an injunction to prevent a woman from her right to choose an abortion. So that really solidified that it was strictly the pregnant woman's right and strictly her decision and and no one else's not the babies not the fathers not anyone else involved um what's kind of a f I, I don't know if funny is the right word but in 2008 dr morgan taller was awarded the order of canada for his commitment to increased health care options for women his determinate determined efforts to influence Canadian public policy and his leadership in humanist and civil liberties organizations. So it was, it's interesting to see like how much the tide changed in a relatively short period of time from the late 80s to 2008 when in the late 80s, you know, I mean, there was people just railing against him and he was a, a monster and a murderer and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And he was so determined to stand up for the women's rights over her own body that at the end of the day, they decided you're not only right, but we're going to give you the Order of Canada for your commitment to fighting for those rights. I also remember decades ago watching um, a documentary on Dr. Morgan Taller 
that he was in quite a bit. And he was sent to a concentration camp as a teenager. He was uh, a Jewish family mm-hmm. in living in Europe and was sent to a concentration camp. And I remember him saying that he was so passionate about women's rights over their own bodies because he saw so many atrocities committed in the concentration camps against women and women being, you know, um, being raped and being pregnant because of that and having no no course of action, um, you know, and and other atrocities. And so he really felt very strongly about having your own right over your own body and and he talked about how much being in a concentration sort of shaped that in his mind about having your rights over your own person including whether to give birth or not i imagine that that would inspire a pretty strong sense of uh, autonomy <laughs> yeah yeah okay and here was something that i thought of when i was reading the the court decision that decided that the whole life, liberty, security of the person thing, and it was the security of the person that was violated if you didn't allow abortion. Why doesn't the U.S., they always tout their whole life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? You would think if you're forced to have a child that you don't want to have, Mm -hmm. that is interfering with your pursuit of happiness, and it's kind of, that's one of their big threes there. I'm, I don't know if anybody has, like, really argued that point of it or not, but it seems like since it won in our case for Canada I don't know why they wouldn't really pursue that like you are not letting someone follow their pursuit of happiness if you're forcing them into this very life altering um, you know happening in their life true I mean I imagine that the uh, pursuit of happiness also includes you pursuing it with or without or with or without children whatever your preference may be right know? but when you're being forced down one road like and like also it. pursuing Soon. happiness might be difficult if you're like spending all of your money on a child you did not plan to have like yes. you don't have enough kind yes. of, you know like uh, oh so yeah so, so many <laughs> things i mean it just it increases that wealth gap between men and women when you are forced to you know care for and raise a child and it puts you into even more of a financial struggle and there's already a wealth gap and a a gender wage gap Mm -hmm. um and that just it it just increases it oh and here's some a few statistics that i found for canada so today okay this first one i think is kind of a general overall not just particular to canada but a person is 14 times more likely to die by carrying a pregnancy than by a termination um, the number of abortions in Canada in 2020 was 83,576, and the number of women aged 15 to 44, so childbearing ages, in that time was 7,362,535. So that means that the annual abortion rate in Canada is 11.4 out of every thousand women. It is made to seem like it's such a high percentage and that it is such a flip decision. And it's really, I mean, 11.4 people out of a thousand, that's not a, not a, you know, a lot of people. When you look at 83,000, yes, that seems like a lot. But when you look at the, the big picture, out of all women, that's not a lot of women. And it's made to seem like such a what should I do today? Should I go get my nails done or get an abortion? Um, I can't decide. When really, it's going to be like the worst decision anybody ever makes, regardless of what situation you're in, whether it's a wanted child and Mm -hmm. 
there's something that is going really wrong and you have to make the decision to do that whether it was a result of like a rape or an incest and it's very traumatic whether it's something you financially can't afford emotionally can't afford or just unable to do at this point in your life or at any point in your life it's not a flip and easy decision and it really bothers me when it's portrayed as as that women are are too dumb and vapid to take it seriously Mm -hmm. so um and then and then as far as the sort of safety thing goes because that always comes up of oh we're just trying to keep women safe you're more likely to die by actually having the pregnancy than not and of the abortions in Canada that took place last year in a hospital there were 17,421 that took place in a hospital and 16,998 of those had zero complications so it's extremely safe and the the things that were complications were things like um, infection hemorrhaging the sort of things that you would find with any kind of medical procedure where there's a slight risk so it wasn't anything you know crazy out there just the usual medical stuff Are, are you <laughs> okay? That's it. That's it for my um, my are Canada you climbing down off stats. of your Canada soapbox? <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, it's just it, you know, I just remember at the when I was like the mid teens when this was all it was just it was on the news all the time for like a couple of years with Dr. Morgan Toller and things, and it was just like uh, when it finally came down that nope, it's good anyone who wants one can have an abortion at any time it's your choice you get to pick you get to decide your own life it was just really even though I was only a you know whatever 15 16 year old it was like that's really good that's really great like it was it was monumental at the time even though it didn't have a a big um you know impact on my life or the life of anybody around me at the time or anything like Mm -hmm. that it was just it was it was a monumental um shift and change and I mean, now, even in, in Canadian politics, even our most conservative um, political party outright says they will not touch abortion. Like, that is mm-hmm. too entrenched now in our society as a right that that is not something they'll even, even any they're not poking party, the bear. Any political party that tried to do that in Canada would immediately be accused of being Gilead and they would not be allowed to do anything. Yeah, it's it's... It's too set. It is too set as that is just a thing and you can have it and it's free and that's the end of it. Something else that I kind of thought a lot about when I was sort of doing research for this was the terminology that comes up. I think the word abortion has a lot of um, emotion attached to it and somehow negative connotations. Yeah. And you know when you see the word termination used instead that just sounds like a clinical medical procedure which is what it is um what (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm a dick but uh sometimes in an argument i will use the term spontaneous abortion to refer to a miscarriage because it's medically accurate and people are often very off put by that and it's just like it's a medical term it just means your pregnancy is no longer viable and functioning you know body is spontaneously aborting it yeah yeah Uh, and that happens and people are just like they i don't know i feel like there's a i don't know belief that abortion means that there was some sort of personal intervention 
Yes. Whereas that yes. is not the case. That, like, medically, the term be. does not mean that you had to personally intervene with your and, pregnancy. And cause that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where there's so much that's been attached to that word. I and like, and, that, and you yeah. say like the word termination, it just sounds like clinical, detached, medical procedure. It makes medical me think of airports, if I'm going to be honest. Right? <laughs> like it doesn't have sort of anything attached to it, even though it's referring to exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, want to talk a little bit about taxes now? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Texas is real, real big for starters. So um, having access to things like abortions before these laws got passed was difficult. Uh, What was my percentage? 43% of Texans already had no abortion services in their county before this whole new situation was passed. So when almost half of your state does not have abortion services in their county, let alone like within their city limits, within driving distance kind of thing, when you have to like make a day trip of it or like, you know, take a week off of work so that you can go stay in a hotel to go get an abortion, that's a problem. Like that shouldn't have to be something that you have to do. Yeah, whether whether it's legal or not, it's making it nearly impossible. It's making it more inaccessible, especially to people that cannot afford to take a week off of work and go stay in a hotel somewhere else and, you know, go eat out every day of the week because they're staying in a hotel that has a little kitchenette and who wants to cook there, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it sucks. It's it's creating more of a, um, it's making poor people poorer, the people that can't afford it. Yes. And, And because, really, if you're well off, which for the most part means also white, you're going to have access to abortion, whether it's legal or illegal where you are. Yeah, if you can afford it, then you have access. And what it targets is people who already are are poor Mm -hmm. and making them poorer. And it's got to make me wonder that it's, you know, there's not an overarching sort of thing of... If the poor people are even poorer, look how superior we rich white people are. I've definitely heard that argument a couple of times over the last little bit with the Texas situation going on, where it's like, this is a, like, attack in order to make poor women continue to stay poor and, you know, create a generational issue where they have to have children and their children have to have children that they didn't want. Yeah. And it just continues to make them poorer and poorer and further into, you know, familial poverty. And it just continues the cycle. Well, and it just, and it gives that sort of superiority complex of like, well, at least I'm not them. I'm Mm -hmm. not that poor and I'm not that desperate and I'm not that, you know, and it, yeah, I don't know. There's also just the negative connotations around like food stamps and stuff like that, which is gross. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, you should say, do you have a thing of, like, what exactly the law is in Texas, what they changed it to? Um, it's not about six weeks. It's not about you having, like, a six-week time limit. It's about an ultrasound technician being able to detect fetal cardiac activity, which you would identify as a heartbeat, even though at that stage, it's not a heartbeat. want to be clear about that. There is not a functional heart. It does not have chambers. It's not pumping blood. They're looking for, like, electric cardiac activity within cells that signifies that a heart would grow out of those cell points someday kind of thing. I wonder if, like, a tumor could have... (laughs) A heartbeat? (laughs) Electric cardiac cells, like... 
doesn't it seem like lots of possible? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there, but it's like maybe if it's like a parasitic twin or something. Ooh, but I what wonder. What if you're gonna have like just a tumor? Like it's got to have a blood supply and stuff to well, keep yeah. the tumor going, right? So it would. But have... your tumor wouldn't like grow a heart. Well, not ever. But at this point, neither does the fetus have one. Right? It's just there's stuff going through it. Wow. Just. Like if that there was enough, head, if there so was like enough no cardiac cells in the tumor for it to like just produce similar enough activity. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if you would be able to get it removed in Texas. <laughs> right. <laughs> or are you stuck with the tumor? Okay. Anyhow. Okay. Maybe an inappropriate joke for the current <laughs> subject matter. Let's keep going. Um. I mean, it sucks ass, but also I. Uh, the thing that's going on in Texas with the uh, being able to sue someone for $10,000 is not about private citizens being able to sue women who had abortions. It's about private citizens being able to sue the doctors who performed them and also people who may have been involved. Drove them to, to the appointment. Yeah, people who drove you to the appointment. The taxi driver. That were involved. Yeah, Uber came out and was like, we're gonna have lawyers for anyone that gets sued by this fucking Texas yeah. thing, guys. It's dumb. Um. <laughs> okay, here's something I just found a little interesting is that I have not heard anywhere where the father of the fetus is being sued. Why is that not a thing? Why is it just on the the side of the woman why not it'd be like well actually it was joe smith over there and you sue joe smith i saw a couple of people being like uh if texas is doing this can we also petition for them to do a thing where i can report any fathers that aren't paying child support and i get ten thousand dollars too well yeah i yeah, mean like it, why not it Come is on. very <laughs> it's very focused on just the woman again yeah and i mean and you know that's only half of the equation when it comes to a baby. <laughs> Once again, it takes two to tango, everybody. Um, I think that that uh, often comes down to, along with, like, you know, trying to uh, keep groups that are in poverty further separated so that yeah. you can continue being like, I'm better, I'm more well-off, I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, women are often punished for not being of utility to men, and that is just, you know, that that's how it is kind and, of thing and it goes from everything to like 14 year old girls liking snapchat filters of dogs and neon green and people saying like that's fucking stupid why would why would you like that that's dumb because what does that do to serve men it doesn't so yeah. they don't care about it and they don't like it and why would you like that they're always to, to a lot of men there's this mentality that everything a woman does is about men in some way. If you mm -hmm. like football, it's because you want to get a man. If you went to college, it's because you were trying to find a smart yes. guy. If you, whatever, whatever, it's always because of a dude. And if it seems like it's not because of a guy, if it's the neon green, if it's the Snapchat filters, if it's you liking Starbucks and yoga, then it's to spite men. It's because you hate them, and that's why you're doing this. Well, and I think another big uh, thing, too, is that women in in just about every society are expected to carry the morality of that society. Mm, yes, that's also a fair assessment. <laughs> um, you know, it, when you've got, like, you know, men spewing at women about they should be mothers and they should be not 
killing their children and you know all this kind of stuff it's like once again it's about being of utility to men if i'm yes. not the mother that's raising their children if i'm not the person that's keeping their home clean if i'm not the person who's folding their socks and ironing mm-hmm. their work shirts and whatever then of what use am i i am a spinster cat lady and i should get out of here like well, you know and it's also though it's also very much a moral judgment on them because mm, they yes. are expected to be the carry the, and and so. you see that in a lot of um in in a lot of cultures and a lot of societies across the world that women strictly western yeah that that is a a burden carried by women and men can do whatever they want but they can judge the women for their morality women are definitely socialized differently i mean Mm -hmm. i remember being a child and being told a lot of times like that's so rude why would you do that and like you know being talked to about certain situations being rude that i would have never registered as like being rude kind of thing you Mm -hmm. know and like they were definitely things that i should have been taught as a child but also like they're very ingrained memories in me and i feel like i like really got taken aside a lot and like told about how my behavior was unacceptable and how i shouldn't be doing these things and i need to be kinder and nicer and more polite to people and whatever whatever and like the way (laughs) girls are socialized a lot of the time really like does damage in the way that they confront situations that makes them uncomfortable and yes. that is are dangerous to them and you know that's the stay sexy don't get murdered fuck politeness kind of shit where mm-hmm. you gotta be like not polite about things but when you're like have a situation where someone's being rude to you and you just have like you know your grandma's voice in your head being like that's so rude why would you say that to mm-hmm. somebody it's just like oh my god i'm gonna die here yeah well it's the thing of like you know you're out at a club to go dancing with your friends in college and a stranger walks up to you and asks you to dance and you politely decline and they scream at you and swear at you. It's, you know, it's it's that kind of situation where you're, you should just be nice and dance with the strange man. Yeah, and even I if mean, it's... it even goes further than that of like, you went to the club with a group of friends and you probably went to the bathroom with a group of friends too and you left your drink with them if you went to the bathroom by yourself you know Mm -hmm. it goes further than even like you rejecting men it goes to the point of like us having to be protective of ourselves before men are even in the picture yes very true and that's weird why is it our duty to fend off this situation and i also want to be clear for any men listening like when we're talking about this obviously if the first comment or email that we get from our podcast is just the words not all men i'm gonna be upset (laughs) but i do want to be clear that like we're using implied exclusionary terms here which people use a lot if i were to say to you mother don't drink and drive you would be like why are you saying that to me but if i posted on facebook don't drink and drive you wouldn't be like this is a personal attack on me, right. the person who drank twice my entire childhood, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, you understand when things are not directed at you. If I post on Facebook, wear a seatbelt, and you always wear a seatbelt, you know it's not directed at you. Exactly. So, like, if you aren't the person who's doing these things, fantastic. I'm super proud of you. Way to be an ally. We're here. We support it. Welcome to the club. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, call out other men in your life for doing the things that you understand are not right you know yes <laughs> that's part of it too men will listen much. to other men and not to us um okay so anything more about the texas law or did we did, um, was that covered it's mainly about fetal cardiac activity which again is not about a functioning heart with valves and yeah. pumping blood and, and what have you and which by the time most women know they're pregnant that's already happened so yes. this is where it pretty much acts as yeah and i mean it it's not a strict thing where like 
around six weeks, you'll do it. Some women have that at around three weeks of pregnancy, and you can detect that fetal cardiac activity. So what, you're just shit out of luck because your fetus is more developed? Like, fuck yeah. you, man. Well, <laughs> even at six weeks, like, most people don't know they're pregnant at that point. Mm, yes, so it's, it, it, it really um, eliminates the chance of abortion for almost everybody. Yes, and six weeks also doesn't necessarily mean six weeks of pregnancy, of, like, time that a egg has been fertilized inside of your body kind of thing, because that includes, like, the time from your last period, you ovulating, you having said intercourse that caused fertilization, and, you know, it, it's a stepped system. You might be three weeks pregnant when you are pronounced six weeks pregnant by yes. the doctor. Like, it might yeah. be three weeks from the last time, you know you just had sex once in the last two years and it was three weeks ago and they pronounce you six and a half weeks pregnant at the doctor what are you supposed to do about that yes and you know often it's about your last period which i often wonder if i lived in one of these states i have not had a period in a couple of years if i go in there are they going to pronounce me like 68 weeks pregnant (laughs) just curious um (laughs) so again it's about suing the doctors which brings up questions. I watched a video from a Texas OBGYN on YouTube. Her channel is Mama Dr. Jones. Highly informative, highly recommend. She has lots of funny, great, informative stuff on there. She watches the uh, TLC I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant episode and reacts to them as an OBGYN. Very funny, highly recommend. Um, (laughs) But she also does lots of informative stuff about like, you know, what kind of misinformation about vaginas is there out in the world? And she did a whole video about the Texas bill because she is an OBGYN in Texas. And mm. she, you know, was like, ask me questions. Like, I'll try to answer whatever I can. And for a lot of them, she just said, I don't know. They, I haven't been informed about how this affects this particular situation. And, you know, because someone will be like, if some guy sues you for giving me an abortion in a hypothetical situation, mm-hmm and you go to court, doesn't it violate my HIPAA rights for you to present my medical files in oh. that court if, if a third part, like, because if I'm suing you for malpractice, then I've given you permission, basically, yes. to be like, here's the medical files. But if Joe down the street or my ex-boyfriend or whatever is suing you, then what rights do I have? And she's just like, I have no idea. I don't know how that affects that. Nobody has told me, and I should know. I'm a doctor, yeah, that's and I an don't know. Point. And I know. I was like, wow, that's a super interesting point. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so many situations like that where there's all these gray areas and stuff. And um, I know that we discussed earlier in our talks about abortion the Irish woman, the dentist, who yes. unfortunately passed away because they could not decide at what point she was, you know, too sick kind of thing. They couldn't decide at what point her pregnancy was, you know, non-viable. She was too sick. She was whatever, whatever, and they could intervene. It, well, it was just a gray, weird area for Ireland, and it made them change the laws. Well, yeah, and the, her, her case was the thing that sort of uh, was the <coughs> catalyst for yes. for changing the law in Ireland, which was strictly zero abortions. It was completely illegal, yes. and that was it. Her name was Savita... Her last name's a mouthful. Halapanavar, potentially. Um, and she was... I think she was about 30... Around 30 years old. She was married. This was... She was a dentist. This was her, yes. their first baby. Very excited about it. Very mm-hmm. wanted. And she was 17 weeks pregnant, and 
something was wrong. And mm-hmm. so they went to the hospital and they were told that um, she was miscarrying, but it was a like an incomplete miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And she was in quite a bit of pain and so she was still like stayed in the hospital and she was in quite a bit of pain and uh, said, well, can you like just abort the fetus? Yes. And they said, no, this is a Catholic country. We're not allowed to so long as it has a heartbeat. It was completely not viable. There was no yeah. saving the fetus. It would not survive outside her body. There was, you know, nothing that could, could save it. However, they were not allowed to save her as so long as it had it. So she died over the course of a week, a very slow and painful death from sepsis, while her poor frantic husband tried desperately to get someone to save his wife's life, and they're in a hospital, and no one is permitted to save her life. Yeah. And so she yeah she died slowly and she died painfully and that case was the 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 one that um you know sort of galvanized people into taking to the streets and protesting and saying this is enough we can't have this anymore and so when they had the uh the vote on whether to change the laws and make abortion legal there people like flew home from all over the world to be able to vote in that and it overwhelmingly passed Mm -hmm. so you know putting such restrictions on it do you have to wait for horrible cases like this for somebody to die slowly and painfully um you know through no fault of their own through no you know just it happens and you know it's gonna happen in texas there's gonna be people that Mm -hmm. um are that will suffer um there's gonna be an increase in illegal abortions there's gonna be uh you know all that kind of thing that happens that's gonna it's going to cause problems this is not solving anything mm-hmm. um i've got some stuff too on the uh history of abortion this is in the states which was pretty interesting so prior to the civil war abortion and contraception were completely legal there and midwives were the people that provided reproductive health care to people to women uh it was midwives were fairly evenly split between white people and people of color like black indigenous whatever it was women's work and it was it was all accepted as as a legitimate method of of women's health care and then when slavery ended midwives were portrayed as heathens barbarians by white men who wanted to suddenly have those jobs of being gynecologists and wanted to be paid highly for them, whereas midwives were, if they were paid at all, it was, you know, very little, or it was in trade or something like that. Um, But when men wanted to, you know, saw that as a a career move of, hey, I could do this and charge a lot of money for it because I am a highly trained doctor and I'm a white man who knows everything, um, they did what they could to push women out of that uh, out of midwifery and so these white male doctors like really promoted themselves as modern and the progressive way to care for women midwives were just backward it was dangerous to use them uh, and they so they got pushed not only out of hospitals and out of healthcare and things like that but also out of getting any education because they were female or non-white or both and white men gained a lot of sort of wealth and prestige in this new profession of gynecology and even though you know women have been doing it for millennia we've always had vaginas people yeah. um and then 
what happened though was so that kind of happened and then there was a push to have more white babies born so whites could outnumber black people and so this sort of started the moral shift against contraception and abortion which eventually led to the legal shifts in the system and so it was kind of like a twofold thing these white male doctors had full control over women's bodies and health so it was like the the whole patriarchy thing there of let us take care of you you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and also it was the um it was a racist thing of we need more white babies so that we can outnumber them and for some reason they had in their heads that all the women getting abortions were married middle-class white women that was the the belief and so this was how we were going to solve that problem by by banning it uh so then that morphed over the years into anti-immigrant um uh beliefs and so it went from sort of the black white thing to the anti-immigrant thing because uh catholics didn't believe in conception and a lot of immigrants were um, from Catholic countries where, you know... Surprise, surprise, everybody. It bit you in the ass. <laughs> Ireland, you know, that sort of thing. And so it was an anti-abortion push to increase the birth of more Protestant babies. And they thought saw this as a real threat to the Anglo-Saxon race as a whole. And, you know, the overall thing was that this was to do with women's health and safety and the protection of children, but... In reality, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with control over women's lives, and it's got to do with racism and other... Other such isms. Other isms in terms of, you know, religion and all that kind of thing. Oh, there was a whole anti-Jewish thing that went along with that, too. Ooh, anti-Semitism. Um, it's... Great. So, I, I, it made me wonder, like, how many people who are really, like, anti-abortion are doing it because they have the belief of their saving babies versus all the the backstory that has to do with control over women and uh, racism and prejudice and do they do they know about that or is that just so ingrained in the whole thing that it's kind of part and parcel of the whole whole thing you know it's if it was really about a right to life and the rights of the child, then there would be some way to pay for that baby after it's born. Uh, you know, you would have an income provided for it. No one cares to them, cares about them after they're born or what happens to them. It's just, it's not even a pro-life, it's pro-birth and anti-abortion. Those are more accurate terms than pro-life because if you were pro-life, you would care about the life once the life was here. Not even just anti-choice. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, call it what it is. You're, you're against women making those choices for themselves. I do find it kind of uh, funny that the whole thing that started this issue was that America seemed to have a difficult time separating church and state once again. <laughs> once again. And then, this is interesting about in Texas, too. Even though they've got this law that's creating all these you know, all this chaos there right now, only 18 to 20% of the population actually agrees with the new law. So you can guess who that 18 to 20% is. I'm going to go with rich white men. And what's kind of funny is that the, um, 
website hosts are they you know people are trying to create these sort of tattletale websites where you can put in like oh I saw Susie Smith uh, going to get an abortion or whatever but the hosting sites will not host the websites like GoDaddy and whatever they're like nope and so that's kind of funny and it's like good for them for being like yeah no we're not we're not getting involved in that if you find one of those websites that still happens to be up I won't tell you to send Ted Cruz's home address or the emails of Republican senators or memes but hey if there's a way to just clog those up with a bunch of garbage send your favorite Garfield comic who cares (laughs) (laughs) cause that's about as much as they're doing Um, but uh, back to Texas fun times so one of the issues with that is that you know if you have a pregnancy that is no longer viable for whatever reason if it you know you have a pregnancy where your child is going to be born with a severe deformity that will basically guarantee death for them you know the example mama dr jones gave in her video i think was a child born without kidneys because if you don't have kidneys then your child does not replenish the amniotic fluid inside of them and doing that means that the lungs never develop so they basically are born and then immediately start suffocating and that is horrible that's tragic that's what a terrible thing for anybody to who wants their child to have to go through you know but also like you know you might not have that option in texas anymore because that child has a heartbeat and it can be born and you just might not have, you know, there are situations where you used to have an option of saying, I don't think I can emotionally handle that. I think it would be more humane for me to not allow this child to be born and instead for us to just, you know, terminate, have a funeral, grieve, mm-hmm. move on with our lives. And that's not an option for people anymore. It's not even an option for people that might otherwise, you know, have serious complications or death at this point where, you know, what if you have something severe going on? There's not, like, a line where suddenly your pregnancy is very, very dangerous. It's a gray area, and much like the woman in Ireland, those doctors were too afraid to touch her because where's the line? Or, like, where does that exist? At what point are we just saving her life instead of allowing her to die in our hospital kind of thing? And that's exactly what Texas is going to be dealing with. Yes, because the doctors are scared, too. They're going to end up in prison. They're going to, you know, like, and legitimately so. And, you know, where is the line when somebody is sick and begging for you to terminate a pregnancy? You know, it, it may be a very wanted child and that often is the case when it is a later term pregnancy that someone has where something has gone wrong and it's a wanted child and unfortunately they have to make a very tough decision for themselves and now they might not be able to make that decision what does that do for someone you know mentally how do you mentally care for somebody who knows their child is you know injured and hurt and dying inside of them that what a horrible thing to experience and force on somebody yeah that's awful you know because there's a difference between someone who wants an abortion and like we discussed before it is not something you flippantly decide for yourself you don't all of a sudden (laughs) make that decision most women don't want a uh, abortion like they want the tenth punch on their frozen yogurt card they want it like they would like to 
gnaw off an arm caught in a bear trap or run out of a burning building, you know? It's (laughs) much more severe of a situation of wanting an abortion. Mm -hmm. And when you don't want one, and when you do have a wanted pregnancy, and it's a child that you want to welcome into your life, when you've painted a nursery, when you've bought toys, when you have onesies, you might not be able to have control over your pregnancy in the way that you want anymore in Texas. Like, what a heartbreaking thing. Yes. Because if you're going through something like that, if you're planning your family and planning your future, you want that control. Because if something bad happens, you don't want to be forced to experience the worst possible thing anyone who wants a child could experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I don't blame the doctors in Ireland for not doing anything. I don't. No, I mean, I, you I can't blame the doctors in Texas either. And, I mean, they've got their yeah, own and lives and their own livelihood to, to think about as well. And, you know, they're put in a horrible position where they've got this duty to do what's best for their patient, and yet they could go to jail if they do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an impossible situation to be in. And, I mean, I, I hope that something can be done about it, whether it's people making more, you know, uh, extreme examples of how skewed this is towards women mm-hmm. and, you know, people that can carry pregnancies and stuff like that. And it's, if they can, you know, present that in an eloquent way that makes people think about it, I guess, hopefully it'll do something. But I feel like the whole point is to keep women down and that that's the point and that yeah. the point is that they do see it and they understand and they're making a point to go against that, you know? Yeah. Keep, keep women in poverty, keep women as socially less, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a divided system. It's a patriarchy. And the more the men can be on the top and push everybody else down, <laughs> white men, um, you know, it's it's seen as, as a benefit to themselves. They don't want to give them up. Give it up. It It's, you know, it's crazy when you think about it because women are half the population. Um, you know, people that are not white make up a huge portion of the population. And yet this one minority, when you put it together as being white and being male, rules the world. And it's, oh, it still needs to change. Definitely strange. And I mean, maybe I'm just like a dick-ass young kid over here, but politicians need to do a better job of listening to the majority when it comes to things Mm -hmm. and not just listening to majority groups or white people or men or rich people or whatever, you know? Yeah, Yeah, they're pandering to the people that are giving them the most financial support. Whatever the people on top are, we don't need to listen to them. And I'd also like to remind all the politicians of the world that us voting and, like, protesting in the streets is the compromise that everybody made to, like, knocking down doors and butchering you all in your living rooms, so... (laughs) Maybe. Be happy. It's just a protest and not a president in Haiti who uh, just gets shot in the night. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like there's, you know, a real disconnect for people that are doing these things now because, you know, like we mentioned, if you have enough money, abortion isn't illegal for you. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that the YouTuber I mentioned, Mama Dr. Jones, discusses in her thing. She says, abortion is not illegal for me. I can afford to go to another state and get an abortion. And, you know, she's capable of affording that. And 
great. And all the people in power in Texas are also still capable of affording that for, you know, themselves, their wives, their 23-year-old mistresses, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) And it's... It's weird. It's terrible. It's a million different adjectives that we could use. I wonder how much of it, too, has has come into play since Trump happened. Um, Because he was so offensive towards women and belittling towards women, and it made it okay to come out and say that kind of stuff again. It made it okay to say the quiet part out loud. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, is this... I mean, I'm sure this Texas law has something to do with Trump. That it's a trickle down effect of that, right? Of wouldn't shock me. Of being uh, so just so condescending and patronizing towards women mm. as he was, as he still is. Yeah. I can't imagine he's improved since coming out of the public eye. <laughs> oh, he still tries to be in it. I've noticed. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything more? Mm. Yes. When we have those gray area cases like the the woman in Ireland who unfortunately crossed her gray area and moved into a zone where she was no longer savable. Yeah. Um, when we have those cases in Texas coming up, unfortunately, there's going to be a problem with that where if the woman survives, it will create a bias that it wasn't far enough gone. Mm, yeah. And that is dangerous, you know? When living women that are trying to get medical care have less rights than a corpse it's a problem yeah and you know you need to do something about that when your autonomy is being stripped away little by little you need to go like pick up some margaret atwood and think a little bit i don't know (laughs) well and you know it makes so much sense that in in canada that it was found that um you you're only granted your constitutional rights at the time of a live birth. You were then Mm. a fully functioning on your own human being. You don't rely on another person's body to keep you alive. That makes sense to me that that you are afforded the rights of a society at that point. Yeah, and I've heard people say, like, look, if the six-week bill is a thing in Texas, does that mean I can start charging for child support at six weeks? Oh. Can I take a life insurance policy out of my fetus? Like, yeah. you know, wh- where where do we draw the line? Well, because they've given the rights to a six-week fetus over the rights of a fully grown woman who has a brain and has ambitions and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They have they have taken those rights and given them to a six-week fetus. It just seems so backward and bizarre mm-hmm. and and just so blatantly controlling that I don't know how it can be seen as anything else. True. Um, I also would like to mention that Texas has not um, improved their foster care system, their adoption system. They haven't put any more funds into those things from what I understand. It appears as though those things are exactly the way they were before and I imagine that's going to be a big problem in a few months. I imagine that there's going to be a lot of children that are not wanted and are going to be given up for foster care and put into the adoption system and there's gonna you know i can't imagine anything else because yeah you know i i can't imagine the people who don't want children and can't afford them are just gonna find a way you know and you know it's it's it really puts people in a hard point place because um 
if someone feels like, okay, I really cannot raise this child myself, but I'm okay with going through the pregnancy and giving birth and placing it for adoption, good on you. Mm-hmm. Like, kudos. But there is such a stigma in society of placing a child for adoption mm-hmm. that it is not talked about still. It's hidden. It's, you know, you don't... When when someone comes up to a pregnant woman in the grocery store and it's like, oh, what do you do? Do you know if it's a boy or girl? And, and the person says, actually, I'm going to place it for adoption. It's, oh, and look away and just quietly back off, right? It's mm-hmm. It's such a social stigma. And you've got the one side of no abortion and you have not paired that with getting rid of that social stigma of placing a child for adoption which True. hey people that do that like good on them because that's a very hard position to be in to have to go through all the societal pressures through the whole pregnancy and um you know and be able to walk away with from that holding your head up and saying yeah that was the right thing to do for me it is, it's definitely strange that there is no positive choice for women besides keeping a child, whether or not it's wanted or unwanted, and even stranger still that if they happen to be the parent who stayed, that's also negative. <laughs> yeah. Single motherhood, also weirdly negative connotations. We'll put that that's in the category true. with abortion, adoption, whatever. Well, the whole anti-abortion thing, it's very, um, a fairy tale. You know, it's very mm, yes, like... Um, the prince and princess got married and they all lived happily ever after it's the getting to the live birth is the end of the fairy tale it's like oh the baby was born and the mother realized she had made the right choice and instantly fell in love and they both lived happily ever after and it's like that's not necessarily the case I mean you know it's there is societal pressure to have children like if you're married it's like the next question is oh so when are you going to have babies and it's like maybe we don't want to okay this bugged me somebody that I uh, a co-worker of mine who's young younger and she got married in the last few years and it was like as soon as they were married I heard people saying to her when are you guys going to have babies and she would say well we're not sure if we're going to have kids or not and it came back so often oh you'll change your mind it'll be the best thing you ever did and I would be jumping in to stand up for her and saying like hey if you don't want to have babies, don't have babies. Don't feel the society pressuring you into it. Because I have friends who have children, they love their children, but have told me that if I had it to do over again, I would, if I knew then what I know now, I would never have become a mother. Mm-hmm. I hate having this responsibility. I hate, I, I love my children, wouldn't change them for anything, but I hate being a mother. Mm-hmm. And there is societal pressure to, to do it, no matter the cost. And it's it's pretty screwed up. Don't have an abortion. Don't place the baby for adoption. It'll all work out in the end. You'll figure it out. You'll just be so in love with that baby that it'll all be great. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. That doesn't... I mean, sometimes it is, but it, not always. True. And so, yeah, it is just... It is such a method of... of you will fit into this box and this is how your life should play out and we are going to control that narrative because anything outside of that and you need to be a um yeah that that is your use that is your use in society yeah and i mean it's it's a problem it's weird that women are you know put into these strange sort of boxes i'm definitely a you know 
I'm definitely a firm believer that kids are opt-in and not, not, you know, you opt into that situation, not opt out. <laughs> right. Yeah. It shouldn't exactly. be like a, like a default that everybody has kids and you, oh, maybe I don't want to. Like, it should be something you thoroughly think about. You yeah. look over your finances, like, you know, <laughs> you should, it should be a firm opt-in situation. Mm-hmm. Organ donation, apparently more of a struggle to come to terms with than children. Okay. <laughs> right. I also think it's funny that, you know, as someone who is young and has also come into contact with people going, when are you going to have kids? Um, A lot of times people who are asking me to have children will say, why are you getting tattoos? They're permanent and they ruin your life and they change so much over time. But you're asking me to have children. (laughs) Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? (laughs) They're also permanent. Did you know? Also might change your life a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It, do, do you think that... I mean, even though I was a teenager, I'm living in the time of abortion being very restrictive to mm-hmm. being, you know, available for everybody. How do you think it would be different if it suddenly became illegal here? If we had the same restrictions, like for someone your age... It would be very shocking to have that right suddenly stripped. It would be very abrupt. And I mean, I have seen it before, so I don't know if it would... I mean, it would still be very shocking to to see it go back in time so so much, but... it would be weird, because I mean, like, you know, like, you talk about you're, like, 15, 16, and abortion is, like, being talked about on the news and being legalized, Mm -hmm. and people are, you know... Marching in the streets, both sides. sending a doctor to jail and whatever. When I was 15 and 16... The high school guidance counselor was like, I'll drive you out of town so you can go to the abortion clinic. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just such a weird, like, I don't know that it, I don't know that it would even, like, happen. I don't, even if they pass the laws, I think all the doctors would just be like, okay. <laughs> Do you think that the, because of that, the stigma has been erased here? Do you think I f- there's any I stigma feel, attached to it? I feel there is sometimes, yes, because obviously Canada still has, uh, religious people obviously yeah uh, things like that exist and I mean I do come into contact with you know the good old pro-life anti-choice groups who you know are very against it and whatever and like I'll have arguments with them I'm like I'm not ashamed of it I've never had an abortion but I would and I'm not ashamed to say it but do you think like do you think because it's it's always been legal accessible free available in your life if there was like a friend in your friend group that said I'm gonna I'm gonna terminate the pregnancy would there be any stigma about it or would it just be like okay she's just getting a medical procedure like do you think that that it being so available and accessible in Canada since the 80s now that that has kind of for for the most part and I mean yes there's going to be people that have their opinions and their religious beliefs and whatever but in your sort of peer group do you think that that stigma no longer exists? I mean, people in my peer group have gotten abortions, and we do discuss it openly. And, it, you know, it's, it's fine. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. And, I mean, sometimes it's a personal choice, and sometimes it's, you know, I had an ectopic pregnancy, and we needed to do something about it. And right. sometimes it's, you know, not financially ready, not mentally ready, whatever, whatever. It doesn't really matter. We talk about it sometimes. We, you know, talk about other stuff. It doesn't, it's whatever. Yeah. There's not stigma within the peer groups that I exist in I don't you know I don't find that and I don't think that anyone would be like mad at me or you know say anything negative if I chose to get one you know I 
I don't interact with anyone that feels that way. I, you know, yeah. a lot of my friends groups were very like people of color, very queer, very feminist. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just thinking about like when I was in high school. I know there was a girl in my high school who had four abortions before she graduated. Same boyfriend through the whole oh. high school years. Um, and she did never figure out how to. Okay, I, I'd say that never was mind. a, a failing mind. on both their parts. <laughs> but it was weird because it was like everybody kind of knew about it, but it was still sort of hush hush, talk about it behind your hand kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and yeah. So I would say, even though nobody thought, well, that's crazy, she should have had that, um, you know, had those babies, there was still the (gasps) factor of it, of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know. There was also a man, a man, a boy in my high school who had four children before (laughs) he graduated Hmm. with four different girls. And uh, so... You know, it was, yeah, I would say it was not looked at the same way for sure. Although there was, you know, I certainly had friends whose fathers were like, don't I ever see you date that boy? Because. Fair enough. Funny enough, his last name was Woodcock. But... Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that it's, I think that it's changed. I think that it's just less, um. I think teenagers are worse about it. I definitely remember having more negative views about it in high school. That could be. Just being like, you know. Teenagers tend to think very black and white anyway. Yes, true. And it also was just a thing of like, maybe I was kind of an asshole, but I was like, you're 16 was always kind of like my thing of like, whenever there was like a rumor about someone like getting an abortion or anything like that, it was just like, but you're 16. And like, to be fair, we're a very very rural place. There's cows outside and the options when you're a teenager are pretty much like smoke marijuana and try not to have sex before you get married. Like, (laughs) there's not a lot of stuff going on here. Like, there's not a lot going on. And honestly, the rates of, like, abortions and teen pregnancy here are really good. Everyone's, like, super on their birth control. (laughs) Yeah. I was, like, honestly kind of surprised. I was thinking about it a little while ago and I was like, Huh. We should have had more teen pregnancies, I think. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I know. It is surprising. Like, I don't know anyone, like, from your whole, like, age group through through high school and stuff. That, there was like, one girl the year before I got there who, in grade 8, got pregnant within the first few weeks of being there, left, raised a kid, came back in, like, my grade 10 class, and she was taking classes with us the mm-hmm. year behind then, and she was in my socials class for maybe, like, two or three weeks, and then she got pregnant again and dropped out. Huh. So, she twice, twice, same mm-hmm. guy both times. So I mean, there you go. Um, strong relationship, I hope. Uh, but I was just kind of like, she like, tr- did she try to prioritize her education, or did someone make her go back to school? And she's like, well, I'll just get pregnant again. Like I, don't, I have no idea what the situation was. Yeah. And it just seemed kind of strange to me. I, am, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't close with her or anything. She seemed really nice. I, I wish that we had gotten closer. She sat next to me for like the two weeks, and then vanished and I was just like what happened to her and someone else was like she got pregnant again and I was like oh and that was like the only girl I knew besides the girl that like got pregnant like two or three weeks before graduation kind of thing and like wasn't showing wore her grad dress and then like had a baby you know a year later kind of thing yeah and in my in my high school there was several 
girls that had so babies. And, but there was like a room set up. They could just bring them with them to high school. Oh, that's really nice. And I love hearing about stuff like that. And they could, so that it wasn't really stigmatized, I don't think. Like, I don't remember it being like, oh my, did you see what happened there? Yeah. It was just like, oh, here's the room for the, and you could either like leave your baby there and as like a daycare while you went to class, you were, there was sometimes babies in my class with me. Um, not a lot, but it happened where it would be like, oh, I'm just going to bring him in here for a little bit. And the teachers were all like, yeah, that's fine. And, uh, or they could take their classes in with the babies if it was, you know, it was very easygoing in that sense. But that would have been right around the time, you know, abortion was made fully legal and maybe just even that action sort of destigmatized the whole thing. Yeah. I wonder if they would have let any of the you know, I wonder if there had, had been more teen pregnancies in my high school, if they had, if they would have let those moms come to class with their kids, just because yeah. it was such a small school. I, I wonder. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it just didn't happen. She she dropped out. She didn't try to come back to school. I think she, you know, got GED or whatever the equivalent is in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, do you have anything more to say on this topic? Um, often you hear the or- argument of, like, but it's a baby, what if it cured cancer, what if it can feel things, blah 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 blah. I posit, if something can't exist without me existing, does it really exist? No. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simplest possible argument, if it stops existing because I stop existing, then does it really exist? Yeah. Does Ooh. it? When I was in college, I was taking this philosophy class. Okay. And <laughs> here was one of the questions that the, uh, that the philosophy teacher um, put out. So she was like, okay, so you're walking down the street and a van pulls up next to you, grabs you, kidnaps you off the street, um, you know, bag over your head, van drives away. You wake up, um, you're in a hospital bed, hooked up to machines and, and tubes coming out of you and everything like that. And lying next to you in the bed next to you is, you recognize immediately, is this world famous violinist. Like he is just an amazing musician, um, you know, you know who it is immediately. They come in and tell you that they figured out that you were the one person on the planet, that this person, this violinist, has a has a serious medical issue, and you are the one person on the planet that matches him exactly and can keep him alive. You have to be hooked up to him in this bed for nine months, and then you can go your separate ways and he'll he'll carry on, he'll be fine and cured, and you you can leave. Do you have a moral obligation to stay or not? And so, of course, people are like, well, I don't have a moral obligation to stay. I might choose to, but no, I'm not required to keep this person alive. And da, 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 da. and so that, of course, it was the thing of, and then she's like, okay, well, this is like a pro-abortion, anti-abortion kind of, you know, question. Mm-hmm. And it was, it just made you look at it in kind of a different way of like, oh, am I morally obligated to stay there and keep this person alive? Am I required? Am I legally required? No. Am I morally obligated? I mean, you could play it both ways. What was that book that was basically that premise where the girl had cancer and the parents had another sister that had all oh. the same blood markers? My sister's keeper. That's yeah. the one. Well, that yeah. one made me cry. I know. That terrible time. Terrible time for everybody. Anyways. I, I was reading that book and my husband came into the room and I'm bawling. There's tears pouring down my face and he's like, what's the matter? And I was like, Kate died. And he was like, oh, it's just the book. Okay. 
was it was a good book. It was, yeah. but also like she does not have an obligation to doing that for her sister. Yes, her sister even asked her, her to not. Yeah. You know, and that's something that you know would come up over and over. I'm sure throughout the course of whatever. You know, if if your eight year old currently suddenly had kidney failure and you were a match, no doctor's gonna make you give her the kidney. Right. You would probably want to because it's your kid. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. No one's gonna make you do it. And that's like, that's the that's the and point I was talking about about having less rights than a corpse because nobody would take an organ from a corpse, but they're making you carry a pregnancy. And is somebody going to walk up to some stranger on the street and say you're an exact match for that eight year old? We need you to donate your kidney. No. He, I'm assuming it's a white male, would <laughs> have the option to say no, that's my kidney and I'm keeping it, and to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. So, just saying. All right. Have we rambled through this uh, topic? Oh my gosh. There's just so many facets to this. It could be. I know. I'm sure it is. Entire university courses. Freaking episodes on this guy. Yeah. I mean, there's just a million different things we could talk about. You know, there's a million different ways that we could come at this from the patriarchy, from rape culture, from the way different countries handle pregnancy and that kind of It's what. There's so many ways to, you know. And I'm really. I, I expect that in Texas that this is going to get before the courts and it's going to be overturned. Um, But in the meantime, it's going to leave a lot of women who are happen to be caught in those months or whatever, however long it takes to overturn this, that are going to be caught and they're going to be stuck and they're going to pay the price for it Mm -hmm. for some stance that, that is being made that I, I don't even know what their point is, but they're making some point. And, you know, it's women that are going to pay the price for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Any 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 last minute uh, stats to add in, or have we wrapped it up? Mm, I, uh, I think I'm good. Okay. I'll tweet all my other negative emotions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're, we're feeling for the women in Texas, and uh, hopefully this gets overturned sooner rather than later so that... Uh, not too many are caught up in it. Yes, and also if you are a woman in Texas and you are uh, not able to afford, you know, getting a hotel in a state that allows you to currently get an abortion, there are networks of people online that are basically, you know, running their own abortion Airbnb so that you can go stay in Colorado and, you know, you know, quote with a roommate and, right. you know, you know, go visit your friend from college and whatever Mm -hmm. and, you know, go do that. So, I mean, if you are in Texas, if you are in desperate need of medical services, try Mm -hmm. to find one of those places online. Try to get the medical care that you need. Yeah. Try to keep yourself safe, what have you. Well, because unfortunately, it pushes everything into the realm of secrecy, which can lead very quickly to um, people being taken advantage of and put put in... um, bad situations yeah i mean go back to jerry santoro right also trigger warning if you're gonna look up that name on google there is a very naked very graphic picture that comes up (laughs) um so hey texas pursuit of happiness yeah also texas maybe you should google jerry santoro and be traumatized with that image and story so Mm -hmm. yeah all right okay um wash your hands stay safe wear a mask all the usual abortion yep 
Have a great day. Okay. <laughs>